0: we are rolling i think we are live now what's up guys this is jonathan bain with theory 11. today is july eighth, two 2017 and we are back for another one of these roundtable discussion podcasts each time we do this we invite a different artist or artists plural in this case to join us on the podcast and answer questions asked directly from you guys in the theory 11 forums this uh particular time a week ago today uh last saturday we had a roundtable discussion Um, forum thread saturday night contest where you guys posted questions we got pages and pages of questions from members all around the world and today on this podcast we only have a limited amount of time but we're going to try to get to as many of those questions as possible and i'm joined most importantly i will stop talking in a second i'm joined on this by mr blake voigt Uh, blake are you there as well and dan and hello and dan white as well so dan can you hear me i can hear you Ba-boom. So the reason why we have both of these guys on this podcast today uh, is to talk about the phone vanish, which is an effect that we released earlier this month. Um, Technically, I think it was the end of last month. Um, At Theory 11, it's a phone vanish that you visually, or not visually, because I guess it's vanishing. You amazingly vanish your phone uh, in front of the spectator, or it can also be done with their phone. And Dan and Blake collaborated on this effect, and so that's why they are here together to answer your questions and to talk about it. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Yay. (laughs) Yay, magic. Um, So just to preface, I guess, before we get into these questions, can you guys just talk about what this effect is for people that have, are unaware if they've not seen the preview. You can check it at theory11.com forward slash tricks. But like, what does the effect appear to be to the spectator and why are you excited about it? Um, convince me that it's cool. Great. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Sell you on the trick that you're selling. Yes. Um, the the trick is gives the performer the ability to vanish their phone in a very offbeat type of way. This is not... A, uh, a vanish in its uh, cl- classic typical sense where here's this thing in my hand boop now it's gone this vanish happens through uh, misdirection and through scripting and patter and it happens on an offbeat moment um, and it can be performed uh, during a routine it can be performed impromptu with any phone for, uh, groups of people who don't realize they're watching a trick. Um, and, uh, it's really, really fun.
2: <laughs> yeah. And just to add to that, I think, I think what makes it so great is that it, it is completely impromptu and it's completely organic. It's one of those things where nobody has any idea that it's coming, uh, and you can do it literally anytime that you can think of it.
0: Correct. Uh which is sort of like the dream scenario for a trick. It can be done, like I think we say on the product page for this, like it's the perfect trick you have on you and you have nothing else on you, which that sentence doesn't entirely make sense. I wrote it. But um, what I meant was <laughs> that like there's often these times where you're at lunch or you're in line at Chipotle in my, in my case and you have nothing else to do. And this is uh, one of those rare effects that you always have your phone on you, or at least I do, um, unfortunately, unfortunately. And this is something you can do organically on the fly. As long as you have your phone, you don't even need to be wearing a shirt. A lot of questions are about like, the conditions of which you can perform this and like you have to be wearing long sleeves you have to be wearing a jacket um, none of those things are true you can do this trick topless although i don't recommend it mm-hmm. um, but uh, it can be done so the conditions are amazing it's sort of like the dream sort of effect anyway um, that's a good preface i think of what the effect is so let's get into questions because i know we've got limited time here um, i thought that uh, one of the first questions here I was asked a lot in this is uh, just the story of how this came about. Hashish in the forums, H-A-S-C-H-I-C-H. How did the idea of this effect
1: come about, and how long have you been working on it together? Great question. Great question. (laughs) Um, It was like four years ago, five years ago. Doesn't seem that long, but yeah, Yeah. it was a while ago. Um, And Dan and I were hanging out in my apartment in L.A., and it's hard to discuss the origin without discussing the actual method itself, but in very broad, a very broad sense, um, we were just hanging out, and when Dan and I hang out, we're always talking about magic or thinking about magic, and basically one of us thought the other one vanished a phone as a trick when it turned out uh, we had not. Um, man, I don't even know how to talk about this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It it was
2: one of those things where I I looked over at you, and I was like, what did you just do?
1: Yeah. And you were
2: like, I didn't do anything. And I was like, wait a second. There's something there to what you just did that we can't say. But you did something. I was like, wow, that could be a trick.
1: Right. And then we played with it for, like, hours, and then just came up with, uh, I mean, the, the thing was is once, we accidentally stumbled upon the method. It w- which is which is very organic, like you're saying, Dan. Uh, yeah, it's something
2: just, that you would do totally normally anyway.
1: Yeah, it, it became a. Um, it wasn't two hours figuring out how to do the handling. It was two hours of, holy crap! How many different ways can you present this? Right. Uh, which was the fun part. Um, and so that's that's I feel like. You know talking about the origin of it and and stuff segues immediately into just another point about this is that you can perform it in so many different scenarios whether it's as a trick itself like here watch my phone vanish or give me your phone i'll i'll make it vanish or my personal favorite which is um i love performing magic that the audience might not realize they're watching a trick until it's already happened, um, which allows you to but get away with some stuff, you know.
2: That's what makes it so feel so organic, is that it? the best, I think, the best way that this pre- is presented is in the most organic way. It's not like, hey, get ready. I'm going to show you a trick. I've mm-hmm. got this. I'm going to set it up like a premise of a normal trick. It just happens, and yeah. by the time anybody realizes that you're doing a trick, they're already like
0: dumbfounded. Yeah, phone's yeah. already gone. <laughs> yeah, there's something about that being more deceptive. It's like the, the David Abbott story of the floating ball, where like people would go up to it after, and he'd already have a different ball switched out. So it was it was it was after the fact, and so when people are discovering or encountering magic and mystery when they're not expecting to, it can amplify their yeah. response.
1: I think the first time I was ever truly exposed to great impromptu magic was when Dan and I worked with Homer Leewag. Homer's um, totally,
2: this is such a Homer trick.
1: In in Vegas. Um, And, oh, you know what? And Homer is at CardistryCon this weekend, so I should totally uh, throw throw this his way because he would do stuff to us when he would realize we were watching him Um, without us realizing he knew we were watching him, if if that makes any sense. And he would just be sketching something, then all of a sudden he would vanish a pen. (laughs) And you you were completely fooled and caught off guard because you weren't watching for a trick. And he would get you because he was aware of what you were watching. And one time, speaking of phone vanishes, one time I was out to lunch with him, and uh, his phone was on his tray at the food court and he went to throw away all of his food and um, he realized, I realized his phone was on his tray (laughs) and as he's dumping all of his food, I was like, no, 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 Homer, 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 Homer. And he dumped the entire tray into the trash can, put the tray up and looked at me and said, what, what's wrong? And then I was like, dude, you just threw away your phone and he produced it from nowhere. And what he had done was he had tenkied his phone as he dumped all of the trash into the trash can, knowing I was watching, which is that's just awesome. amazing.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's so a, this like is a, one of those. That organic, <laughs> off-the-cuff style uh, magic is what this is. There's a lot of different ways to present this. People asked about that. We'll get to that a little bit later.
1: Okay, hopefully. Cool. Um, I think we
2: th- actually said when we first did, you know, we we're playing with this. It was like, this is a Homer. This is like Homer.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly.
0: Up his alley. Um, a common question that's run throughout the whole forum thread of, of questions about the phone vanish that, Blake, we were just talking about before we started recording here, because you had gotten the same question a lot, and it's an easy thing to answer. Is there a risk factor of damaging your phone if you're performing the phone vanish? And people like the same same uh, member, uh, Farouk, was asking, how many phones were damaged between the time <laughs> that you've created this concept and the time it's
1: released? Zero phones uh, have been damaged or even dropped i think even coming up with this thing uh there there's there's i think i can say safely without um giving anything away in the method that there's not a drop involved you're never dropping your phone um, yeah i think people if, will think that you're like just yeah. throwing it over your
0: shoulder or something uh and it's going it's like dropping down your sleeves and that's not what's happening there's
1: there's no drop or throw involved um if you're dropping or throwing that means you are trying to reverse engineer the trick (laughs) from the trailer and not watching the instructional um Mm -hmm. but i think uh you know dan and i and you jv as well we i would say confidently that the three of us are pretty sufficiently obsessed with our phones and our lives revolve around them and i would never consider doing a trick where my phone was at risk at all, <laughs> so yeah. um, I would not do that, and this is not one of those. Yeah, but. I
2: don't think there's any more risk than what you'd normally do with your phone on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, just
0: following up on the phone question, this wasn't ask, uh, asked in the same post, but just to get knock it out, people have asked, like, what kind of phones, You can, can does it have to be an iPhone, you do this with Android phones, is there any particular criteria if someone's thinking about learning this trick or buying this trick? And they're like
1: wondering if is is it going to work with my phone? What's the best way to? How, well, how would you answer that? No requirements on phone size whatsoever. Um, I mean, for a lot of the presentations you just uh, that are discussed, you just need to be able to make it look like your your phone is ringing. So I guess a a requirement might be that it works. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it couldn't be a, a brick. Yeah, like out technically phone. you
2: could do it with a deck of cards. It just wouldn't make any sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, and sometimes, I've, I've done this before, I don't even think I said this on the, the download, but I've done it before where I've for, I've pretended I was getting a phone call because I said it was on vibrate. Like, you know, and that's that's just as, as believable, or almost more believable, if you're in a social setting, that you got a phone call um, and you, you had your phone on vibrate. Like, if you're talking and, and you're like, oh, hold on one second. one second, I'm getting a call, you know, like... People socially accept that. So I guess I'm taking back my previous point. The phone does not need to work. You could uh, completely do this with something <laughs> like a toy to a phone. phone. A phone-like object. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, um, cordless, I think uh, should be important. I don't think yeah, should yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. to cover all the
0: bases. I think that, that that would be a good requirement. And last question about the um, I guess, technical requirements of this that we'll get to, just cause this is the other probably most common question I've seen about this effect is uh, not just the type of phone, but the type of performer, like body type, Are there's, do you have to be tall and thin and like Blake and Dan, you're really tall as well to perform this or can pretty much any size human, um, as long as you have arms and such uh, perform this
1: effect? Yes, any, any size human Uh, or alien with arms can uh, perform this. Uh, I think that's the most common question I've seen and have been asked in person is how flexible do you need to be or how much weight do you need to weigh to be able to perform this. And I think the case in point, I mean it's similar I guess to like cardistry in that I've seen you know people make excuses before my hands aren't big enough to be able to do that stuff. And then you see people like Andre Jick do cardistry, and you're like, oh, that has nothing to do with it. Um, this is one of those things where I'm tall and skinny and so is Dan. And so there were- well, Yeah, you know. I mean,
2: I'm not exactly, I'm, I think Blake and I are pretty different body types, actually. But,
1: I mean, so. tall, um, yeah. but I don't I think, know, Dan, Blake's gone to the gym a lot recently, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but I think that the case in point for me was whenever I've now seen uh, people that weigh more than I weigh, or are shorter than me, or you know, uh, just heavier, be able to perform this flawlessly, which is the uh, testament that you don't have to be flexible, you don't have to be uh, a certain weight to be able to perform this. I mean, if you are extremely unflexible and you've never done a couple of these movements before, yeah, it might need like an hour of stretching just so that you don't hurt yourself. Um, or if you have a neck, shoulder, or arm injury um, that prevents you from moving your arms in a normal way uh, that you would hold a phone or put a phone up to your ear, then that might be interfering of this. But um, flexibility and weight is not a reason you should be able to do this. Right. I think like, the only time we've actually seen a legitimate issue is like someone's written into our 311
0: support before that they have like, a legitimate elbow bending issue like they yeah. could, they didn't have full control over their arms and that would not only impede you from performing the phone manage it would impede you from using the telephone normally yeah. <laughs> holding it up but if you can hold the phone up to your ear and make a normal phone call or perform basic magic you're probably well set for this yeah. it's I think, more of a yeah not, i don't even describe this as a knacky thing it's just more you have to get the the, the motion down without trying to trying to tread lightly on what I'm saying. Yeah,
1: I think it's, it's not, it's a, it's knowing where to bend, how to bend, where to move, and how to move, and that's the first six minutes of the instructional. Um, if you see the method, and you have it in your head, and then you try to recreate it, you'll recreate it wrong. You need to watch the first four to five minutes of the instructional and follow along with it, and, and that's what's been funny, is I've shown magicians how this worked. I've shown them This is what I'm doing. And then they immediately try to do it, and they're like, oh, I can't do that. And I'm like, no, no, you're doing it wrong. Here, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Now it works. (laughs) Um, And so I think that's uh, the other thing I would say is if you are interested in it and you buy it, don't just watch the first 30 seconds where I reveal the method. Watch the first six minutes um, before you try it. Um, Just see, I'm
0: bouncing around here. There's a lot of questions of different sorts, um, but just because I got both of you together on podcast uh, for the first time in a while, (laughs) it's a cool opportunity to get both of your perspective on things broader than just this specific trick. Um, There was a question here that was posted uh, let's see who posted this Uh, uh, I believe it was by C. White not Dan White, but C. White, just talking about YouTube magic versus Instagram magic versus live magic I think he was getting at is The way I would phrase it is both of you on this podcast have have created magic and performed magic on television and also on stage and your stuff's been seen by millions of people on YouTube. How do you go about, much more broadly than the phone vendor specifically, but just as a performer and creator, how do you go about creating magic and performing magic? knowing that it's going to be shown on television, on America's Got Talent, or Dan, you've done multiple things, Discovery Channel, blah, 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 um, versus when you're just performing for live audiences, is there a difference in the creative process, or do you approach it the same way? Good question. <laughs> yeah. <that's>
1: a... <laughs> cool, great. Um, next question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that um, they're, they're approached differently, but I think before you approach something for television you have to approach it from a live sense first. I don't think I've ever created or worked on anything that was strictly only for television. I mean, I think I've created a couple things and worked on some stuff when I was doing Instagram videos for Daily Magic that I only wanted to fool my camera um, because I knew it was only going to live on Instagram and it was for Instagram people or people sitting on the toilet watching something for 15 seconds um, but I think that's a different creative process than what goes into creating something for television, because the first step, I think, is always considering what it would be like for the live audience first.
2: Absolutely. I think, I think it's like, it's just like any magic trick that you do. Uh, before you do it, you, you, you got to think about what you, what you got to work with. You know, if you're in a restaurant, you're, you're going to be doing a, a different type of material than you are. Uh, you know, if you're at a nightclub and if you're on a stage or if you're on TV, it's like, there's all these different parameters that you've got, uh, things that are, will benefit you and things that will hurt you. Uh, and you, you weigh all those different things and it leads you to a place of like, okay, this will be the best thing for this situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, you know, I don't think it's, it's that much different than, than, than any situation that you might be in.
0: Agreed. Um. I'm trying to sketch get to as many questions as possible so I'm gonna bounce around a little bit. Uh Antofera, Antofera, not Antifaro, anti Antofera. What was the last trick that you can remember off the top of your head that absolutely totally fooled you?
1: Oh man. Mm. Um oh, man. <laughs> That one's a hard one to think about in the moment. Yeah,
2: I'm sure there are. I know there are. How about about
0: more broadly the last performer that you watched um, that
1: fooled you? I feel like I'm more impressed lately than I am fooled, I guess. It's like there are certainly elements of things that that fool me. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I I get way more uh, pleasure and enjoyment out of someone impressing me with something that, like, an idea or a premise or a concept um, than I am uh, by the the thing, like, the method fooling me. Like, I remember premises that impressed me ten times before I remember a method that fooled me. And uh, the most recent example was last night, and this is public knowledge now, that Justin Willman is working on a Netflix show that's magic. And, He's hired a crazy, creative group of magicians and comedic um, comedy writers, and he sent me a 20-page PDF of all of the material that he's prepared for this show yesterday, and like every other one was frying me, not by fooling me, but just how clever of a new twist of a presentation he's going to be doing on old tricks or the pre-existing methods. Um, and that stuff really impresses me. Um, I can speak on
0: um, my own behalf. I think uh, the one I would point to is there was a particular show in New York that I saw uh, with both of you separately by <laughs> a guy named Darren Brown. And uh, I've uh-huh. seen his show. First off, I'll admit that I've seen it five times. Yes, I've seen it <laughs> five times. Um, it's, it's no longer running. The last show was what Blake, you and I went to weeks ago Mm -hmm. um and there were multiple tricks and routines in that show that fooled me um in the moment and i would be the first to admit that and i loved every second of it but more than that like i like what you said blake about being impressed or that and what was more impressive to me and i think what blake i articulated to you about what i love so much about his show was how phenomenal of a performer darren brown is and how how like well he presented that show there's moments of like really great intensity in, in how Darren performs and there's also moments of like sincerity and le- and, and like tenderness in the show too that he speaks and it's so well uh, scripted with credit mm-hmm. for Andy Nyman um, and, and and well presented. If you have an opportunity to see Darren, he's back in the UK now so if anyone in the UK is listening to this, uh, check out Darren's tour schedule because he is, uh, he's he's the real deal. He's
1: real. He's, <laughs> he's real. He's a real human. There's no, it's real magic. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was it was it was not real magic, and he would be the first to admit that. But it was real talent, and it was really phenomenal. So I would say, on my behalf, that's that's what I would point to. is the last thing that I saw that totally, uh, absolutely fooled me. And yeah, in I think to to
1: word, go so. off of that for you and I saw that together. And for the first half hour after we saw it, all we were talking about were the clever twists and spins he had put on stuff that we'd already known. And we knew how it worked, but that wasn't what impressed us. It was how he performed it, how he presented it, how he put a new twist on that saying that we were aware of. And then 30 minutes later, we spent the next three hours discussing that one that fooled us both very badly. Yes, and so. it would, it's, but it's not like just
0: the the magic in it. It was just like not not to discredit the magic in the show because it is the it's incredible and he's a brilliant performer and the methods are, are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But I would watch Darren Brown read a telephone book up on stage, <laughs> and that's yeah. a, that's a credit to how articulate of a speaker he is and how well he he he, he presents and um, so layers of presentations. So anyway, oh, that's it. I would say, Dan. Anything else come to mind of performers that you've watched recently on on? No, TV? that's
2: a, that's actually the the probably the the honest truth to that question is is Darren Brown. That 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 stuff was was.
0: Yeah, I remember nasty. like even seeing with you and with. I saw that show also with Justin Wilton. I've seen that show with, with lots of people, um, and everyone has the same like childlike grin on their face walking out of it because it's just like. That was awesome, and he yeah. is great, and it's, it's worth the hype. Anyway, um, let's keep going here. A few more questions before we are pressed for time and have to go. Um, just from both of your perspective, both of you guys are young guys still in Magic, as I think I used to be. Uh, <laughs> I feel old now. Oh my God. But there's a question by Maze or Maz Hassan, and he's asking, what advice do you guys have? for up-and-coming magicians, specifically people that are 15 to 20 years old who are just starting out or want to do magic as a profession, want to make magic their life. Both of you have different paths to how you got to where you are today in magic. And you know, Blake, yours uh, is a different path than Dan, but Both of you ended up roughly in the same genre of <laughs> professional performers who now make a living um, doing what we do and what we're passionate about. What advice would you have to someone else that was, you know, yourself as a 15 to 20-year-old Um, What would you tell yourself then with what you know now?
1: Um, I mean, yeah.
2: for me, I I think just some of the best advice I could ever give is is the thing that that helped me the most is just breaking out of your shell and and, and putting yourself in situations that make you feel uncomfortable, Uh, whether that be performing more or talking to more people or doing things that you don't think you can do. Every single time that I've ever, like, push myself to do something that I wasn't comfortable with, it, it actually made me a lot stronger and better performer.
1: Yeah, I think when you said 15 years old, like I was trying to think of what I was doing then, and when I was 15, uh, 16, I got my first restaurant gig at uh, in, in high school, and that was three hours of magic, one night a week for two years performing for people and I think that those two years were the years when like I went from being a kid who really liked magic and it was fun to like uh, being serious about it and performing it on a weekly basis. So I think not go out and get a restaurant but I think go out and perform for real people as much as humanly possible because that will skyrocket your experience level I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I did a, um, I did a talk at EMC, which is the online conference that Luis De Matos, um used to put on. I think there was a few of them. And my whole thing was about like making magic a career. And like to summarize my thoughts then and now is when I was 15, um, which is what the, what you're asking in this question, like I had a strong hunch that it was going to be really, really difficult to make magic a profession. I just knew that like, Hey, how many famous magicians can you name? Four, cool. That means that, and like, how many, how many successful doctors can you name? Lots. How many, like, of any other profession? It's so broad. Magic is a still a, you know, not as, as, as much as it is more respected, I think, and, and well-regarded today as, than it was five years ago and 10 years ago, it is still a small um, part of the entertainment industry. So I knew when I was 15, I had a strong hunch that it was going to be really difficult. And I think that motivated me and pushed me to work really, really hard during those, those times. And I knew, I think a few things, one, I was gonna have to work an obscene amount and really, really hard to have any level of success or just sustainability and making this a realistic profession for myself so there was lots of nights when i was 13 14 15 16 17 18 still today where you know i'm up till three o'clock in the morning uh working on things and um i I knew that was going to be difficult and it's turned out that i was right and it's actually more difficult than i thought it was going to be and i'm you know we still everyone on this phone call and i've been up awake at three o'clock in the morning within the past two weeks versus for, for things <laughs> pursuing stuff. So one, I would say it's it's really difficult. And so the reason why I'm saying that is because you have to really, really want it. And if you really want it, the being difficult part's not a big deal because you're willing to do whatever and it's not work for you. It's 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 passion and some parts of pursuing your passion are more or less fun than others. But it's 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 that. But if you really, really want it, that's not the biggest concern. The other is, you can't do it yourself. Everyone on this call, myself especially, um, you know, is influenced by lots of people to get where each of us on this car- call are. Which I don't think is like, well, we're we've achieved everything we want to. I think we've both like uh are you know just uh, everyone on this call is like still has lots that we want to do and achieve. But I certainly wouldn't have gotten anywhere without support from a both of the people that are on this call. B Um, Guys like Chris Kenner. Chris, I was friendly with and became a mentor to me since I was 13 years old, gave tons of advice. Um, Just lots of people along the way. So the other piece of advice I would say in addition to work your ass off is uh, network your ass off and and be willing and able to be the... quietest and dumbest person in the room. If you're the smartest person you're in the room, you're in the wrong room. So just seek advice and mentorship from people, or at least have a friend that you, you know, maybe e- even if you talk to them through Skype, I know for the first few years, you know, Blake, you had never met Kalen and you guys only <laughs> spoke and jammed on things together yeah. via Skype. So if you can find a, someone that, you can riff ideas off of and get support and inspiration from or at least encouragement from if you're if you, if you hit a wall on some creative task or you're feeling discouraged all of that helps immensely along the way because you can't do anything by yourself or very rare does any success come in and of you know your, your own doing it's it's a lot of influence from other people
1: and also you're going to have to you're going to have to work your ass off so that's make, all the thing i'd say make, make friends and pre- be prepared not to sleep That's yeah uh, yeah, that's
2: okay. yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and neither of those things is is, meant to be discouraging at all. It's actually much the opposite because none of those things are are work. That's like I I love talking about magic. And like you just said, you and Dan, even when you're in the off time, that's when you created this effect that we're talking about today. Right. was by accident when you were doing other
1: stuff. We were actively trying not to talk about magic right That's yeah it was right. after a long day we're
2: tired <laughs> we're like, oh, let's go to sleep oh god here right. we go another four hours
0: it's just <laughs> correct but so if you're passionate about it none of those things are a big deal it's also just like the music industry where there are bazillions of people that want to be a famous musician and singer but more often than not they're not and they don't end up being so so what's different uh from the the people that do end up making it in that regard and being a famous musician or a famous magician, often it's a lot of hard work, it's a lot of talent, of course, and it's a lot of uh, just like, you know, 10-year overnight success sort of things mm. where those people m- meet people and they're working their ass off for a decade and then suddenly they're on AGT and obscene, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of foresight and forethought that goes into it before those big things happen, and that's not the glamorous part of any part of the entertainment industry, but you have to be willing to do that in order to get there.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop talking now. (laughs)
0: Uh Um, Trying to see if there's a a good final question. Um, Since uh, I think there's a good one here, uh, Anzac here, and I'll I'll pose this to both of you. Uh, Both of you have done things in the past two to three years that have been, at least in my eyes, life-altering, if not life-changing. Blake, in your case, you performed on Penn & Teller Fool Us. You were on America's Got Talent, uh, seen by millions of people every single week. Dan, you perform in a live show um, and uh, in, in New York City six times a week. Um, at the Nomad Hotel, you've performed on The Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon, six times in the past two years. So I think everyone on this, uh, Blake and Dan both, you've, you've had life altering experiences in a positive regard. Blake, you also got married Dan, knew you did as well. Um, in the past few years, how have those experiences shaped you? Um, how have those things influenced you or have they been more inspiring um, after, after these things have happened um, and like now what is your what is your thought process now that you've achieved these really big milestones so recently?
1: Dan. Uh. <laughs>
2: Well, I think I try to not look at it too too much. Like, oh, everything's different now. I think the the for me, it, I think it's important to stay completely grounded and like everything is, is the same way. And to have the same love and passion for magic as I did when I was a kid. And I think it's it's important to stay that way all the time. Stay humble. Stay hungry. Uh,
1: yeah, I, um, I think the I, I have a hard time like hearing you say all those things. It was like. I have a hard time remembering all of that stuff that's happened, or like, I, I feel like I'm always working on the next twenty things, two of which will end up happening, and um, that I think is important to sometimes stop and look back at the things. Like recently, I got to put together like a sizzle reel of, of everything I've done in the last few years, and that was really crazy to do because I'd forgotten about most of them. And um, I think it is important to look back and realize what you've done to be able to move forward and appreciate the like reaping the benefits of uh, what you've done and accomplished. But also, I think it's important to not dwell on those things and just keep working on the next thing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> totally.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it like rings me back to like the quote about like Steve Jobs and like this stay hungry, stay foolish mentality mm-hmm. where i think not to and not in a deprecating way of everyone on this call but i think we both or all of us share that where mm-hmm. it's like it's we're always chasing something mm-hmm. and it's like cool we're gonna do fallon next week or blake you're gonna do agt and we and then we chase that and like when we do it um and uh, we often help each other in all of these different adventures i remember it feels like like you know flashback in my head of standing on the the porch of justin willman's house in la working and talking through the agt stuff the night before that was going to be sh- to live to 10 million people and then we do it because we're, we're, we're hungry and we're foolish and we we, we you know we, we're willing to 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 jump off the cliff and confident that we can build an airplane on the way down but immediately after for like five minutes later we're we're on to the next thing and we're like yeah. cool so i don't I th- know if that's like a restlessness
1: or like <laughs> i think a- it was funny recently when we were in new york i was talking to both of you guys or one of you about like just the last few fallon appearances because dan's been on there six times now and i've been there for five of them and one of you guys were like oh wait why why weren't you there one time and i was like that was because <laughs> i was on agt that night when dan was on fallon and it was like oh yeah, yeah yeah okay that's that was the reason why cuz it it literally the only excuse for the three of us not to be working on something is if two of us are literally on national television across the country and that's the thing is we
2: were still working on it together because i remember i was on the phone with you guys on the porch for agt I was, I was and then a you fooling. were on you know like you and then JB the flew eye. back to you know it's like so really even like, though we were both on those of things, it's not like we weren't working together. Right. Yeah,
0: that night, that night, we, it was Blake. You were doing the, the a- AGT that was shown live. Remember that night, we celebrated for like five seconds. I saw you after, or maybe I didn't even after. Yeah. Uh, and I had to immediately go for, to the airport LAX, got on a flight overnight to New York, and then that was the day after. I that, think then. I think
1: yeah. Then most recently was two weeks ago. I had a, an audition for a thing. And Dan spent two hours on FaceTime video chatting and helping me prepare for the audition. I did the audition. It went well, thanks to both of your guys' help. And then I was in the car driving home discussing Fallon with you, Dan. Like, we were like, all right, it it went good. Okay, done. Now, uh, what are we doing next? Oh, next week's Fallon. Okay, here we go. (laughs) All right. (laughs) It's like...
0: Yeah so if there's a thought to leave you guys with and hopefully these 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 anecdotes and stories and stuff are in some Find way. some good friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Find some good friends and stay hungry and stay foolish and be willing be, be willing to do um, stupid shit sometimes <laughs> like you don't feel qualified or competent to do and sometimes when you do those things and you put yourself and you walk out on that stage with your a live performer and this is the biggest show you've ever done like I'm, the, the first you know the first show I did was maybe the first big show I did on stage was 500 people. And before that, the largest performance I had done was maybe 50 people. So I had like a 10 times multiple between (laughs) performance to performance there. And in retrospect, I was very naive and ignorant, if not arrogant, to my performance abilities, I would never Pay anyone to watch that show. I was probably terrible. I was thirteen years old, but I was willing to, to take that risk and do something and outside yeah. of my comfort zone. And if you're if if you're willing to do that and you're willing to take risks and things like that, and you have helpful people that encourage and support you along the way, um, as is, as Dan and Blake have me and each other, um, you can you can accomplish a lot. So if there's a <laughs> thought. I'll Leave you with this. Yeah,
1: uh, just going off of the exact same thing we just keep saying on the subject of doing one thing and immediately moving on to the next. I'm pretty sure this podcast has gone a little too long because dan needs to run out the door and do two sold out shows in new york yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that uh, good good happening. podcast uh see you guys later i gotta go yeah. do, i gotta go do two shows <laughs> cool well anyways last but not least um thank you
0: to you guys dan and blake for uh taking the time i know this has been a crazy hectic awesome week and a half to two weeks Year, whatever, um, to, to record this. Uh, thanks for the time. I think it's been insightful. Hopefully, you guys listening to this have got something of value from listening to us blabber for the last 30 minutes. <laughs> um, but more than else, uh, thank you to you guys for listening to this podcast, for participating in the forums and submitting your questions. We're always listening and happy to help. We'll be doing a lot more of these in the coming weeks with different artists each time. And last but not least, go check out this trick, uh, Phone Banish. We're really proud of this. Um, it's what's supporting this podcast, but also it's something that all of us on this believe in and really are excited about. We think it's it's kind of the best of all worlds, organic, natural, impromptu effect. That is the dream type of a trick. So I think if you if you're uh, if it sounds interesting to you, if, if, if you use a phone, if you're a human in 2017, uh, check it out. You can look at it now at theory11.com forward slash tricks. And Dan and Blake, thanks again for helping. And we'll chat with you guys soon. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.